0: A Song of Ascents. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness. Therefore, you are feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord, more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. O oh Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption he himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Amen. Now I'm sure that many of us here this morning will have at some stage read the well-known Tolkien novel entitled The Hobbit or seen the movie. Isn't that great? And if you haven't got around to reading it yet, then you really should, because it's a great story. And there's a certain scene in that novel where Bilbo Baggins, Gandalf the Grey, and the band of dwarves are all in great need of encouragement to continue on with their daunting task of journeying up to the top of the lonely mountain. And so in order to spur themselves on to complete the tumultuous task up ahead of them. Bilbo and his friends sing aloud to themselves of how wonderful it's going to be when they finally reach the peak of the mountain. Through the power of song, these Middle-earth adventurers were able to pull out of themselves what was necessary in order to continue with the dangerous task up ahead of them. Now our psalm here this morning is one of a collection of songs that serve for a very similar purpose. Psalm 130 is one of these songs of ascent. You'll see that written at the top of the psalm there. And these songs of ascent were sung by pilgrims in order to encourage themselves to complete the task of travelling up to the highest point of Jerusalem. Now there are 15 songs of ascent in total And they are arranged into five groups of three songs And one of the things that makes these songs so encouraging Is that they each answer to a different matter of concern For God's people Psalm 129, for instance Deals with difficult times That were brought about By someone else's wrongdoing. Psalm 131 deals with difficult times that were not brought about by any particular person. And then our psalm in the middle, Psalm 130, deals with difficult times that were brought about by our own wrongdoing. Psalm 130 is about a pilgrim who has done something so heinous So beyond the pale that he now desperately worries that he's ruined his relationship with God forever. And so this particular song of ascent is in our Bibles to be an encouragement for believers who feel like our troubled pilgrim. For those among us who feel like God's patience with them has now finally worn out due to some wrongdoing That they've committed For those believers who will happily tell everybody else That God is always ready to forgive But deep down feel like that same principle Doesn't apply to themselves Because of something in particular That they've done Now if this is a source of desperation That anyone here this morning recognizes or has felt at some point in the past then Psalm 130 should be tremendously encouraging for you because it reassures us that God is always ready to forgive those who want to be forgiven now that includes me and that includes all of you also so our psalm this morning divides into four different parts each consisting of two different verses. So we're going to examine the first part, verses 1 and 2, under the heading, The Psalmist Cries to the Lord. That's The Psalmist Cries to the Lord. Now within these opening two verses, our troubled pilgrim cries out to the Lord from the depths, verse 1. Now these are not so much the depths of his own Sadness and misery, nor are they the depths of poverty or physical illness, but rather these are in fact the depths of his own sin and guilt. Our psalmist feels totally overwhelmed by the weight of whatever it is that he's done. His guilt has totally consumed his entire being, so that now he cannot help but sink lower. And lower, deeper and deeper Into the dark and lonely depths Of his own sin And from these depths our troubled pilgrim Cries out to the Lord for Mercy, verse 2 Because you see our psalmist here in verse 2 Is thinking about his sin in the right way He fully accepts the seriousness Of whatever offence he has caused. And he acknowledges that he alone is responsible for what he has done. So therefore he knows that he is deserving of God's punishment for his offence. And therefore has no choice but to cry out to God for mercy. Now isn't our pilgrim's attitude towards his own sin so starkly different from how people today... Will usually respond towards their own wrongdoing. You'll hear people today try to minimize the seriousness of their sin by saying, Well, everybody makes mistakes. I'm not perfect. He's probably tired of being used as sermon analogies, but when Donald Trump was running for US president, he was once asked in an interview Have you ever asked God for forgiveness? And he answered quite honestly saying I'm not sure I ever have If I do something wrong I just try and make it right I don't bring God into that picture Now at one level this might be quite amusing But isn't that how most people today Respond to their own sin They try to make out that they can fix it themselves Or they try and minimize its significance. Some people will use phrases like, Oh well, I know I made mistakes, but I'll do better next time. Or sometimes they'll say things like, I know what I did was wrong, but I would never usually do that sort of thing. It's not really part of who I am. Or you'll sometimes hear people try and blame their wrongdoings on other people on other factors. You'll hear people try to blame society for their own wrongdoings. Or they'll say things like, well, that other person over there provoked me into doing it. So it's really his fault. But our psalmist doesn't think that way at all. He knows that in sinning he has scorned the one and only Holy God. He scorned him. And so getting his act together a little bit, minimising the seriousness of whatever he's done, or blaming other people and factors, isn't going to cut it. So instead he cries out to God from the depths of his sin for mercy. He pleads with the Lord to show mercy for the sinful thing that he has done. He knows that God, the one whom he has terribly sinned against, is the only one who can deal with the problem of his own sinfulness. So whilst in the depths of his sinfulness, he cries out to God for mercy. So that's our first point this morning. The psalmist cries to the Lord, verses 1 to 2. And so now we'll turn to that second section of our psalm, verses 3 to 4. And we'll look at this under the heading, The Psalmist Contemplates the Lord. That's our second heading. The Psalmist Contemplates the Lord. And in particular, you see him contemplating the holiness of God in verse 3, using the rhetorical question If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? Now the idea here is that God has a perfect and holy standard for how human beings are to be and how human beings are to behave. And the sad truth is that nobody has lived up to that perfect standard. Nobody here has behaved as God wanted them to behave. So therefore that answer to our, sem- our psalmist's verse 3 question is no one. No one could confidently stand before God with their head held high and say that they had kept God's commands fully. No one could do that. Now doesn't everyone here this morning recognize this to be true of themselves? Imagine for a moment that a big screen were to drop down behind me and using an overhead projector from the tech team up the back Someone were to project everything that you had thought over the last week onto that screen for everyone to see. Could you stand? I know that I couldn't stand. I think Sam Parkinson would never invite me back here to speak ever again. And let's say it wasn't just everything you thought, but everything that you said under your breath when you thought no one was listening. Could you stand? I think if we're all honest with ourselves, we know deep down that the answer to that question is no. Now friends, I know this isn't particularly pleasant to think about. And I certainly don't find it enjoyable to think about. But the Bible does hold the reality of our sin up to our faces for our benefit. Because it's only when we realize how far we've fallen short... Of God's perfect standard that we begin to truly appreciate and feel overjoyed at what comes in verses 4. When our pilgrim says, but with you there is forgiveness. Because you see, our pilgrim friend knows that there is still hope for him yet. He knows that God is willing and ready to forgive repentant people like him. And he forgives, verse 4 again, so that he may be feared. Now you might expect the psalmist to say things like, so that there may be joy, or so that there may be peace, or so that there may be reconciliation. And certainly all of those things are consequences of being forgiven by God. But our psalmist has chosen not to major on that. He said, so that you may be feared. And what this means is so that God may be marveled at, looked on in wonder and awe, looked upon with an overwhelming sense of amazement because of how amazing it is that God is so ready and able to forgive sinful people like him. So that's our second point for this morning. And now we'll turn to that third section, which should come up on the screen. And we'll look at this under the heading, The Psalmist Waits for the Lord. The Psalmist Waits for the Lord. You see, our troubled pilgrim is eagerly anticipating that his forgiving God shall in fact deliver him from the guilt-ridden depths that he has found himself in. And whilst he waits, he hopes in the Lord. Verse 5 again. Now you see, our pilgrim is placing the full weight of his trust in what God has revealed himself to be in his word, the scriptures. God in scripture has shown himself to be a forgiving God who has promised to always respond to the repentant sinner. To sinful people like him. To people that cry out to him for mercy, as he does. So our psalmist here in verse 5, therefore, has put his full trust in that reality revealed in Scripture. So now his soul, his entire being, eagerly awaits for God to deliver him from whatever wrongdoing he has committed. And while you mull that over... I'm going to take a sip of this. And he waits more than watchman for the morning, verse 6. More than watchman for the morning. Now that repeated phrase, more than watchman for the morning, it might not mean an awful lot to us here in the 21st century, but it did mean a lot to our psalmists' first readers You see, the watchmen were these people that would stand at the city gates all night and they would keep an eye out for any intruders who were going to attack the city during the night when everybody else was asleep. That was their job. And the reason that it's such a powerful image for our psalmist to use here is because no matter how cold the night it was, no matter how wet and dark and lonely it felt, the watchman could be certain that after waiting the sun would rise and the morning would come again. He could be absolutely certain. And so our psalmist is saying that even more so, he can be certain that God shall deliver him from the depths of his own sin, from his sin and guilt. He can be even more sure that God is willing and ready To forgive him for whatever wrongdoing he's committed. His waiting for the Lord shall not be in vain. The psalmist waits for the Lord. And so now we can turn to that final section, which should come up on the screen verses 7 and 8. And here our heading is that the psalmist invites others to hope in the Lord. With that certainty that our pilgrim can't help but get in the previous section He now can't help but want to share the good news with other people So he tells his fellow Israelites in our fourth and final section To put their hope in the Lord also Because you see he wants them to have the same reassurance Which he now has To know that the Lord is both able and ready to forgive their sins as well as his own. It's true, isn't it? that once you have this reassurance, you just want to tell others also, so that they can have it as well. So within this final section, our psalmist switches his focus from himself and his sin and his misery to his fellow Israelites. And he addresses them saying, O Israel, put your hope in the Lord for with the Lord is unfailing love and with him is full redemption now in verse 7 our psalmist introduces two brand new phrases he's already mentioned the Lord's mercy he's mentioned the Lord's forgiveness and now he firstly mentions his unfailing love and secondly his full redemption God's steadfast love is the unchanging love promised to Israel by God as part of his covenant with them. His love to them shall never fail. And his plentiful redemption, or his full redemption, is a term used to say that he is more than able to rescue Israel from the depths of their sin, like he's rescued him. He's more than ready to redeem him and them from what they've done there's not only some redemption but there's full redemption for them as well now the big problem for our pilgrim friend can be a big problem for us Christians today it's not uncommon for us to feel at points in our lives that what we've now done is something that God is no longer willing to forgive, we've now become so dirty from that wrongdoing that we've committed that God is no longer able to forgive us. His patience with us has finally worn out. And if this is a source of desperation that any of us here this morning recognize, that any of us perhaps came into church this morning feeling, and if you don't, you probably will in the future then be encouraged, because Psalm 130 has been included in our Bibles to reassure believers like us that God is always ready and willing to forgive us when we cry out to him from the depths of our sin for mercy. So perhaps you've recently returned to some particular sin that you seem to keep returning to. Or perhaps there's something that you did a long time ago that still haunts you to this day. Well, be encouraged because it's not that you are now beyond the pale, but rather it's that God is more than ready and willing to forgive when we cry out from the depths to him for mercy. Amen.